You're listening to Self Worst. This is a podcast about failure, inspiration, day jobs, bad habits, and mental health. We talk about art. We talk about spiritualism. We talk about imposter syndrome, perfectionism, meritocracy, and mediocrity. We do sometimes talk about things like sexual assault, suicidal ideation, self-harm, trauma, and whatnot. So, you know, be advised. Each week, artists, losers, dirtbags, musicians, degenerates, comedians, actors, fuck-ups, scholars, crazies, filmmakers, veterans, sluts, commies, weirdos, activists, addicts, teachers, fatties, queers, and all other types of beautiful people join me, Brad Pearson. Not a doctor, not a therapist, not an expert, in a discussion of what to do with this stupid, sacred life. Are you blessed or are you cursed with a strong imagination and a spiritual thirst? Do you want to confide about the darkness inside? Come and talk about it on Self Worst. <laughs> Welcome to a spooky Halloween edition of Self Worst. You are doomed. Hi, everybody. It's Halloween. It's my favorite holiday. Of course it's my favorite holiday. It's objectively the coolest holiday. It's Halloween. It's Halloween weekend. It's Hollow weekend. Hope you're doing great. It's always a little spooky around here, though, right? This is a podcast about darkness. And sad and bad stuff. This is about the shit that's actually scary. Not, you know... Freddy and Jason and stuff like actually scary shit doom dread existential dread the real shit self-destruction suicidal ideation you know addiction ruining your own life the real shit that will get you about the real scary shit you can't make a horror movie about that it's just too real it's too depressing you gotta couch it in axe murders and demons and zombies and shit. Because the real questions of mortality and humanity are just uh, it's too unbearable. It's too horrible. It's too horrible. But that's what we're doing here on this show. So welcome. Hi, I'm Brad Pearson. Did I already say that? I don't care. This week, we're talking to comedian Veronica Garza. Uh, I've known her, she's been sort of in my orbit for a long time. She's a friend of a friend. And, uh, you know, we've, 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 uh, what's the term? Rubbed elbows before. We've been around each other. And, uh, it was great to finally have her on the show. This was nice. This was a fun episode because... I had literally just gotten off of the Zoom with my therapist and then immediately went into the Zoom with Veronica. So it was a back-to-back emotional conversation. So I'm all tapped out. I got no more feelings left for any of you. Can't do it anymore. I'm done. Just want to talk about dumb stuff. What's, what's your Halloween costume going to be? Are you an adult who dresses up for Halloween? Yeah, I am. I don't give a fuck. Judge me. Make me sound stupid and, and immature and, and and say that I'm I'm no good. Cause I I like a Halloween costume and dress like a I'm 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 
I don't trick or treat. I just dress up in a costume because it's fun to do that every now and again. I'm not a cosplayer. I don't do it all the time. I don't put hundreds and thousands of dollars into it. And no shade if you do. I'm glad you found a thing you like. Can we stop with the Halloween backlash? Can we stop with the the mean, the, 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 the just like, oh, it's so basic like fall now. Just shut up. Let me enjoy shit. Let me like Halloween. Let me like spooky season. Like the basic mediocre white fuck that I am. Okay? I'm going to be Casey Jones from Ninja Turtles for Halloween. That's what I'm going to be. My girl, she's going to be April O'Neil. And you guessed it. Dottie, she's going to be Splinter. It's going to be fucking adorable. And you know what? We're probably going to put some pictures of it up on the Patreon. I just thought of that. There's some bonus content for you. I don't know. If you would like to subscribe to our Patreon, that would be awesome of you. I would love you. I would kiss you on the mouth and I would probably give you some candy without even, you wouldn't even have to dress up for it. Just throw some peanut butter cups at you. Subscribe at patreon.com slash selfworst. That would be awesome of you. Rate and review us on iTunes, all of that stuff. I'll get to the housekeeping shit after the show. How about? Why, why, you didn't come here for any of that. I'll put that all at the tail end. All right? So, I'll see you on the other side. If you dare, if you can make it that far through this haunted episode of Self-Worst... Here we are. Welcome to the show. Thank you for, Thank you for having it's me. It's good to finally talk to you. I mean, you're you're kind of uh, uh, you know a friend of a friend. Uh, like you're you're yeah. we're like one degree away from each other. I know you're good friends <laughs> with Aaron and Natalie, both former guests of the show. So like you know you're you're in that whole world. I just uh, saw Aaron last night. We went to a Nets game together. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that on your on your Insta. I was like, oh look, there he <laughs> is. There's a there's that little Papa Bear. Um, <laughs> he caught the T-shirt from the T-shirt gun. Highlight of the night. That's great. <laughs> That's that's a, that's a very like Aaron like activity. I feel like that's a very like wholesome like thing for him to. Oh yeah, to totally. Do. Yeah, that's great. Um, so uh, how how are you? How's your week been? My week is actually um, I don't I don't want to sound like oh it's great, but it's weird. Um, it's not weird. It's just I'm in a, like a good space, uh-huh. which it's nice. I actually had I had therapy yesterday and I couldn't really think of anything to talk about because like I'm in like a good. <laughs> that's that's kind of weird. And it's like the second week in a row. Not that I want drama or anything, sure. um, but I uh, I went through a, a breakup in June, um, so it was a lot of healing for that. And now I'm in that space where I feel like. Just, I don't know, it feels good. Like, okay, this is my life and, you know, I'm still sad at times, but um, I don't know. I'm just getting used to my vibe of like, this is my life now. And then like stuff like with my day job, which I'm not a big fan of, but they're like actually like being nice and like giving us good news and acting like they care about us. Right. So that's always, that's fun. So yeah, I'm going to like, overall, I'm, I'm good. Does that sometimes feel weird to be in a good place where you're kind of like, cause I've always found when I'm in a good place, I'm always like waiting for the other shoe to drop. And I'm like, when's, you know, when's, when's the monster coming back? 
And that's where my anxiety comes in. That's mm -hmm. exactly where it is because now I'm just thinking, oh, are, are you, is this happening so that you're prepared for something bad that's about to happen? Um, so yeah, I do have that little itch in the back of my head. I'm like, oh shit, is something about something bad about to go down? Um, and I'm trying not to think like that. I'm trying to like be in the moment. Whatever happens will happen. But yeah, I'm sure, like like you said, you get it. You're like, oh fuck, something's about yeah. to something's about to happen. Yeah, I mean, our minds like to try and organize the world into this sort of tit for tat thing where like something mm -hmm. good happens therefore something bad must happen but that's not how it fucking works like this isn't like no. it's not thanos like you, you, there's no <laughs> you know it just it, it's chaos you know and, right and so like yeah it's it's weird like i was just on the uh, the reason we had to push the interview back a little because i was just on the uh, a zoom with my therapist um okay. we like literally just stopped talking um and uh you know like oftentimes i'll come in and not, I mean, cause if you have like, if you're there every fucking week, like how are you supposed to come up with something to say for an hour every fucking week? Like I already have this it's podcast. I'm already supposed to like talk to somebody about all of my shit for every, you know, like it's just right. How much, how much gas do you, can you possibly have in the tank? Right. And also do you catch yourself before therapy? Do you like maybe like, like maybe the morning of like this morning or last night, do you catch yourself going, okay, what am I going to talk about? What's been going on? What am I thinking about? Like what, yeah. what can I bring up? Like, cause I've been doing that lady cause lately, cause I'm just thinking I, I used, it used to be like prior to the breakup. And this is also like, I, I, re I quit drinking like four months ago. So obviously there's a big correlation between me having so much shit to say in therapy because of my behavior and things I said or did as opposed to like, you know, now I have, I have nothing. I haven't had to apologize to anyone. I, I you know, I don't, I didn't do anything stupid. I know exactly everything I did. And I've been like, I've been, uh, dealing with the breakup in a very healthy manner. So it's all like this good space that, uh, I'm not familiar with. So I just sit there every week. I'm just thinking like, I don't have, I don't, I don't have anything to say. <laughs> it's yeah, it's weird. It's awkward. And you know, therapists have always, uh, assured me that that's okay to just like sort of sit mm -hmm. in that silent space. But like, you know, I mean, dead air is the enemy of podcasting, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and it's the enemy in, in a lot of other mediums as well. I mean, like any type of broadcasting and stand up and anything like that, where like mm -hmm. you just like sit there and don't have anything like that is, I mean, the, I, I don't know. I've dabbled in stand up and a couple of times had like almost an out of body experience where I had that thing happen where I just forgot everything that I was going to say oh, like, okay. on stage. And that idea of just like running out of road, running out of runway, running out of material, especially when like all, not just one person, but a lot of people are expecting you to people. fucking have something to say. Yeah. Like oh, is yeah. the reason that like I couldn't even continue with it was because I was just like, I got, I got nothing. I got fucking nothing. <laughs> and like, I, it's, I, it's stressful. Like even like creatively, like when you reach into the bag and you draw back nothing and you just like, I was like, I haven't written anything. I haven't come up with anything. Like nothing fucking interesting or funny has happened to me at all. It's just yeah, oh, no. nothing has happened. Uh, I have the most, dude, most like least interesting fucking life. That's what I've been saying at therapy. She's like, well, I go, dang, is this me? Like, is this sober single me? Cause she's boring as fuck. Like, <laughs> you know, I got nothing going on. Yeah. Um, and also it did affect my writing for a little bit. Um, like the, like up until about maybe 
Tuesday, I was having a little bit of writer's block because usually you draw on these stories from conversations you have when you're out. When are you out? When you're out at bars with friends, I clearly I don't I can't stay out at bars anymore as long as I used to. Um, so I don't have these stories or these interactions or like you know these fun scenarios I got into. You know, not always getting wasted, but like being drunk or being out with people. So it's right. just been like, where do I draw this from? And so it's, I've had to sit back and really think about like how I approach like getting funny, which, so I had about like a 10 day writer's block that, um, that yeah. sucked. <laughs> it's, I mean, and it's been, I think it's been a thing, you know, it's, I've felt this in the zeitgeist that, uh, over the last year with the pandemic, this was a thing that, you know, a lot of, creative people a lot of artists were going through especially where they just they had nothing fucking to report because it's like you're right. you're sitting like you're just in a room you're just sitting yep. in your apartment you're just watching netflix every day you got nothing yeah. fucking going on so like nothing. after a couple of months of that you're like literally there's nothing new to even talk about here like what tiger mm -hmm. king who gives a shit anymore right like, yeah you know like that was six months ago we're all very sad you know and right. like yeah it just it, it just was too much, but like, so when you're out now, have you found that you're able to, uh, I mean, cause obviously as a comedian, like you still have to perform at bars and stuff and like, you mm -hmm. still have to like go around and like, you know, do the stop and chat for a second. Is it weird as a sober person now to like have to like go around and, and, and hang in that circle? Uh, it definitely is weird i've learned uh, i'm still learning to adjust i mean it's not exactly something there's a motorcycle. um it's not exactly something that i've completely adjusted to because it's all very new so i'm still learning how to navigate through mm -hmm. it and i think uh well lucky i will say this i'm very lucky like a lot of comics like even like when i was on that show at the nest like um even when gabe gave me his drink ticket he's like here's your drink ticket by the way i know you won't use it you know he goes i know he goes you can get a mocktail um comics have been very supportive um, which has helped me a lot. Yeah. It's very sweet how much, like, even if we're at, if I go support a show in a comic, excuse me, I, like one that I've maybe bought a drink in the past, so, hey, I'm going to the bar, can I get you in like a, a non-boozy drink, yeah. which is very sweet. And it's super supportive. It's hard though, like when it hits after the show, because then it's the post-show hang. And I can only hang for so long because by the time, you know, if someone's three drinks in and I'm zero drinks, uh, it's not as fun for me because I'm not, you know, I'm not at the same level in some right. sense. Like I'm not, I'm not under that same influence. So I, at that point, it, I've learned to like step away. Once they, someone orders their second drink, I kind of go, Hey, I'm going to leave. And I've started like Irish goodbye and just exiting. Just like, sure. I don't even tell, they're it's, not going to notice because no, they're totally, buzzed yeah, anyway. They don't care. And it's also no. nobody, nobody takes it personal. And if they do, -uh. like they're kind of being a little pussy. Like right. That's, that's exactly. like kind of a, that's like really like you're like, you're yeah, gonna, I don't want to be around you're you. Gonna take you're it this as person. an affront because I exactly. dipped without saying goodbye to you. Who do you think you are? Right. And I, and then, yep. and they, and it, most people know my situation. They're like, Oh, she stopped drinking. She probably needed to go home. And I have a dog. So it's a good excuse. I'm like, I got to go walk the dog. But I will say the, the hardest part has been whenever I've, um, just kind of like when I've eaten shit on stage or I've mm -hmm. like, you know, bombed, I wouldn't say completely bombed. I've hit some, I've hit some, like some pretty weird times. Uh, cause I feel like, yeah, I mean, as a com, I mean, we don't have all great sets, but uh, when it's been rough, it's that moment after my set when I'm taking the train home where I'm having so many comics have this this feeling, this experience where I didn't do well. I'm on the train and I'm like, why do you even do this? You're not good. Like mm -hmm. you should quit. You're wasting your time, blah, 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 blah. Having to sit in it 
and emotionally be sober throughout all of it and deal with emotions instead of hiding them with alcohol yeah. is been such a crazy experience. But the next day, I mean, one, I have a dog, so I come home. He doesn't know I bombed. He loves me regardless. So that helps. That's but the right. next day I wake up and I don't, I, it's just, I've, I've processed it. Like it's not still dragging on. Like yeah. I don't still feel it hanging on as much, which I've like, that's been the weirdest thing. Like that one feeling if a, if a joke doesn't go exactly how I want it or something I'm working on, or I just wasn't feeling the energy, just that feeling of like getting, handling that part. That's the hardest part. It's weird how that happens once you actually start feeling your emotions and processing them, then they actually like run their course and go instead of if you medicate them, uh, then, then it, they just kind of snowball and get worse and then come out in weird ways when you're very exactly. drunk. Like, yeah, it's bad. So it's crazy to have this, like to process it and go, Oh, I'm done. I've moved on with that. So weird. Yeah. It's, it's been a, I don't know if it's been necessarily a new experience, but I'm sort of experiencing it anew uh, in the last few weeks because I've been working with a, um, a DBT group, um, dialectical behavioral therapy. Oh, really? Um, that much of what DBT is, is, just like okay so you have all these big red hot fiery emotions because you're you know you just you got big feelings and you're one of those people mm -hmm. so you need to just let them hit you and just like and process them and just sit in them be, rather than trying to self-medicate or get around them in, in any other way um so that's been a big thing you know like i i was disappointed even earlier today because like i want we just not to brag but we got an apartment with a backyard which is pretty nice but like yes I, right? I got backyard access but i don't have the backyard yeah, and i feel like a winner it's pretty tight but congrats we don't have it put together yet and i okay. stopped at this place and was going to get some gravel and they're like we don't have the gravel it's at this other place in long island city and i was like i'm not fucking going to long island city mm -mm. just give it to me monday and I was like, man, I wanted to have this done this weekend because I maybe wanted to do like a Halloween thing and like fuck yep. and like and just let myself just sort of sit and be sad and just like, well, you're sad because you wanted that to happen. And right. You want to, you know, right. you want to like invite your friends over and like show them your cool place and like have them say like, wow, great place, Brad, and like have that positive reinforcement. And now you don't get yeah. that. So I you get it, just not right now. Yeah, you don't get that right now. And then. I felt better. Like if you just sort of, it's sounds weird, but if you talk to your disappointment, if you talk to your anger, if you talk to your fear, yeah. almost like it's a kid or like a dog and just sort yeah. of like empathize with it and just say like, I see where you're coming from. I understand that it's very upsetting for you. I know why you're upset. It's because you care. It's because you mm -hmm. want this or that thing that's not working out. And that's yeah. good that you want that, but it's just not happening. And then it just, it feels so much better than trying to, I don't know, fight it or shame yourself or, oh, or yeah. lean into it and just get really mad. Like, you know, it's, it's, it, but it's taken me a long fucking time to <laughs> learn that. I, I find for me, it, I have something similar. I've found what's been especially helpful. Like you said, like dealing with the emotions right away. Like I stopped drinking as soon as my breakup happened, which was very traumatic because mm. I told myself, I want to process all of this and I want to feel it all and do it, which is the first time in my life I've ever done that, which one I'm glad I decided to do that because I've just been present ever since. 
But one of the things I've noticed, I do something similar. If if I want, like, when I order sneakers, like I'm a sneakerhead, so I'll order sneakers, and I'm now, you know, redoing this apartment, decorating my own apartment because I live alone now. So I'm like, I need these things, and I'm like, oh, I ordered my sofa. It should be there by Monday. Hell yeah, you know. But then I get an email that says it won't get here till Thursday. Uh, one of the things I've started, see, it does, it annoys, it, right. I know, because why are they ruining your you, fucking life? Right? What the like, fuck? Why would they I, do this not, to you? <laughs> Like, and I got to stop thinking like, why the fuck would this happen? Instead, it's okay. I, th- my approach has been, all right, universe, which is the same thing as like talking to whatever part of you is disappointment. It's telling me, the universe is telling me not, it's telling me not right now. It's telling me I'm not ready for it. This, it's not supposed to happen right now. Right. And so I've learned to just like, it's helped me whenever trains are being delayed um, oh, or I miss a train. A, and it's, it's yeah. like, it's like, I, I'm, I've gotten so much better of just being you weren't supposed to be on that train. And maybe I've watched too many of those 9-11 like documentaries <laughs> where people are like, ah, it's the one day I missed the train. Right. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. I'm not going to get, I'm not supposed to be I'm on that train. I'm not going to get 9-11. No, not. That's, this is my, this is my avoiding 9-11. Exactly. Um, so I've, I've learned to just tell myself, you're not supposed to have that right now. Whatever is supposed to happen, it will happen eventually. And that's been helpful with like even like comedy things like, oh, when a friend gets a great writing gig or gets this show, it's like that's not going to happen now. You'll maybe in the future, but there's a reason you don't right. have it now and you're not ready. Right. Did the um, the drinking and the breakup, did they, I mean, they coincided, but the, like was was it cause and effects? Was the, uh, the drinking part of the breakup or not directly um i think well my drinking caused a lot of anger of course because i wasn't processing my anger correctly when i was drinking a lot but um so i know for my part of the breakup because i've learned you know i'm accountable for what i did i think that had i had a better tackle on my drinking maybe um this the breakup wouldn't have happened in the manner that it did i believe that the breakup still would have happened um because we just aren't compatible but I don't think it would have happened in the, the way in such a manner that it did. And be, I don't know, something about as soon as the breakup was happening that Saturday, um, a friend offered me wine and I don't know, something just told me, I don't want wine right now. And I told myself, I'm not going to drink for these next few days. And then I just went to the next week and then I just went for a couple weeks. And then it was one of those things. Oh, I think, I don't think I want to drink because I'm, the more you become aware of like your whole self, I was realizing, oh, okay, maybe, maybe I should, this isn't something I should be doing. You know, I'm working on being a better part of myself. Let me see who this person is like sober and completely present. But I know that that's partially, I know it wasn't part of it. And know that we both contributed to the breakup, but uh, I know that my behavior while I'm drinking was part of the reason that it happened. Right. It's, I've talked to a lot of people who have become sober and there's, you know, it goes one of two ways where there is just like this hard and fast, like today, this is the last drink I was going to take. And like, that was it. And then there's people who just kind of fade out of it and just sort of, you know, almost like, you know, gravitate away from it. And it sounds like Mm -hmm. you sort of did the latter. Um, Yeah. And it's interesting because like, I, I think maybe, I don't know, maybe for some people that's a better, that's an easier approach. That's more, that's less mentally daunting than something that's like, oh, this thing that I love doing, uh, you know, I'm just not going to do anymore. And like, I'm just going to be on my own with it. And like, that seems like a very daunting kind of 
task. Yeah, and I will say this, I, and I mean, I know it doesn't work for everyone, but I think it was 26 days in, and I caught myself thinking, you know, I don't want to drink, but I know I'm going to want to drink. And I don't know if I want to see the person that comes out when I drink, especially in this situation that I was in, because I'm still, I mean, I'm still kind of, I'm still sad. I mean, I'm still heartbroken about it, but, um, so I, I actively on my own, um, looked at, uh, I contacted friends that I know that are, you know, in recovery and, um, one that I, that I knew from comedy, uh, you know, she invited me to a meeting and I went to a meeting and, uh, one of the things that they teach, you know, there, they teach, uh, I teach you there is, you know, it's not a lot, it's, it's a lifelong struggle because, you know, it is, a or, you know, it's described as a disease, but, um, you can't say forever. Like it, it is easier to just say like, you know, it is the saying of a, like one day at a time. Right. So when I heard that, it was just like, okay, every day, like when I, my head hits the pillow, just think to myself, did you have a drink today? No. Okay. Well then you did your part today and if tomorrow I happen to drink then um it's okay because I'm human you know we're flawed um but like forever is too much of like a bulk like I'm never gonna drink again I'm like I don't know what's gonna happen I really don't know what's gonna happen in the future so I don't I might drink uh you know tomorrow a week from now or whatever so I'm just kind of concentrating like today right yeah and it, it has been helpful for me I feel like it's what is the percentage of comedians who are sober? Maybe like 25%, maybe more I would than say that. Like, I mean, the older I'm getting, the more I'm reading more of us. Yeah. Cause like, we're like, we've, and I mean, I'm glad I drank when I did and I got, I did the stupid shit. Like I, I, you know, I, I loved getting drunk with comics sure. and you know, the hang that was fun, but I'm fine. Or actually now it's crazy. I don't even think it's, it's about like drinking a lot. I find one, we're all getting older. We can't handle our hangovers as much. Sure. Uh, so there's that. Two, more of my friends are doing like California sober. Sure. Is that a thing that you uh, do or are you California sober? Mm -mm, no, I don't. I don't I don't know. I did a whole bunch of like I had years of doing cocaine and I quit that probably about. That's like that's so that's Columbia sober. <laughs> I know. That's like I'm Col I was Columbia. Sober. No. Right. So this is like five years ago. I quit um, like doing coke. And um, when I was with my partner, like every now and then we would do edibles. But I don't have the want to smoke every day or even when I'm out, just I can I could do it occasionally. But since I've been I haven't I can't tell you. I don't think I think the last time I smoked was like Memorial Day weekend. Right. Um, and it's just it's never one of those things that I actively pursue. It's so just not it's your not, thing. Weed's just not your nah, thing. It never it never was my I mean, I did it, you know, in college, of course, we all like we're all smoking all the time in our 20s. But yeah, once as I've gotten older, I just don't. So now it's like I'm sober, sober which is something I didn't think I would be. Right. My thoughts on it are like, I mean, I definitely look at weed as a much less problematic substance overall. Um, you know, not to kind of do the, I don't know, college, like stoned college sophomore rants mm -hmm. about like, oh, you don't see anybody who's stoned beating the shit out of their wife or whatever. But it's kind of true. Like, it's mm -hmm. it's a much it brings out a lot less evils in society i think in in humanity in general um but also you know i i think it really depends on the person like 
if you are a person who has to be like an absolutist and like you don't take any substances whatsoever because it's a slippery slope with everything that you put into your body, then you got to just like cut it all off. If you can have an okay relationship with one thing and a not so okay relationship with another thing, then like, then, you know, do that. Like it's, you know. Yeah. Exactly. And my thing is, you know, maybe, maybe what same thing, like maybe tomorrow I'll go, Hey, maybe, maybe I do want to try like weed again. Sure. Um, it's completely up to me whenever I feel comfortable with it. But right now it's like, you know what, I'm, I really, I really want to work on just all this healing and all this, like, I feel like it's just like a whole rebuilding of myself, just completely sober. Mm-hmm. And so, and when I feel ready, you know, for me, I'm going to say, Oh, in a year, maybe when I hit a year, maybe I want to drink again. But, um, it's one of those things I have to be able to trust myself with it all. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, you know, again, like with comics, I feel like there's a percentage who were sober because they needed to get sober. There's a percentage mm-hmm. who, uh, and the rest of them, I think have, you know, a, a substance abuse issue, you know, oh my like gosh. The, the rest are just raging alcoholics. And, oh, then, yeah. and then there is like the 2% who just, they don't drink because they don't want to. And then they don't, yeah. uh, there's the, they, they drink and it's not a problem, but it's like, mm-hmm. it's very like, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it, the medium attracts a certain type of, you know, I mean, and like a billion podcasts have said this a billion times, but the medium of stand up comedy does attract a certain type of very like, sensitive person who is susceptible to a lot of those types of issues very, oh yeah very much so like and it hurts now it hurts like being a little bit more outside of the water and being and being around certain comics and saying oh yeah you you genuinely have a problem or this person has a problem but i can't tell them that and it's not my place it's like it's like oh you yeah. got to figure out your own thing and you know what they're navigating their world like that and they're doing just fine it was me that had the problem but it is it's a hard space to be trying to do it so i've been very not extremely vocal but i've been um you know i i've told my friends like as soon as i wasn't drinking like hey i'm not drinking for a while and they check in every oh are you not drinking like for this week or how long right and i my my response to them is always um, i plan to drink when i know that the person that i will like the person that comes out when i'm drinking and i don't i really don't know anyone who likes the person that i become when i'm drinking so uh, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Outside of substances, uh, what has your just general mental health journey been? Like when did you mm-hmm. first become cognizant of uh, like even the concept of mental health and, uh, you know, where did you go from there? I didn't grow up with the idea of, uh, mental health. Uh, I feel like that's a very, I don't know. Um, I, I grew up with the stigma, you know, if you're going to therapy, like there's this idea like, oh, what's wrong with you? Um, or there has to be something wrong with you or that something traumatic had to happen. Like this person is you know, crazy, which is completely wrong. Um, but I also grew up, you know, I'm, I'm Mexican American and, you know, in the, in the Latino community, it's, it's frowned upon to get this type of health. You know, it's frowned upon to say your feelings, uh, to express yourself. Uh, so it's a very a jaded, um, it's like a viewpoint that I grew up with and I honestly didn't really understand a lot of this or even the idea of it until like I've been in New York City for 10 years and it was not until because like, I'm from I'm from Texas so getting out of that Texas that large Texas bubble 
um, and meeting people in New York City who would actively casually say, oh, I talked about this with my therapist or, oh, this is something you talk about with someone, you know, a therapist or, um, oh, someone talked about a psychiatrist because they were being depressed. Um, they were, you know, getting uh, medication for their depression or mm-hmm. for their anxiety disorder and me just thinking, oh, and then them describing anxiety and me not knowing what anxiety was and realizing, oh, you've had, I couldn't tell you when I had anxiety as like a six-year-old. And I I do have, my therapist told me, like first thing she wrote down whenever I went into the initial session with her was generalized anxiety disorder, like right off the bat. But I mean, like you said, like I'm a comic, so of course we have that. Um, But it wasn't until, I would say, it sucks. It wasn't until my 30s until I actively decided um, to try therapy for myself and learn just the simple ideas of just learning how to say I feel this or you know um uh just real realizing like it's not a bad thing to go to therapy now I get it like I love therapy I think it's great I like my therapist uh but it I'm uh I wish I had known even just like a two percent of what I know about mental health you know when I was a kid or when I was a teenager have you been able to talk to your uh, family about uh, going to therapy and all of that stuff? Ooh, I have tried, uh, and it is just not listened. Uh, they do not listen to it. Uh, once my older brother was visiting, the only time he's ever visited New York, and I was supposed to meet up with him, and I said, I'm going to be a little bit late, and he just, when I met up with him, he asked where I was, and I said, oh, I was in therapy, and he goes, why? What's wrong with you? I said, nothing. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was like, just... I was like, I just kind of said, like, everybody in New York goes to therapy. He's like, oh, that's weird. And never heard anything about it since. And then where was it at my, I think I was just randomly telling my mom about something when she was getting ready for work one day. And I mentioned uh, therapy and she said the same thing. Like, why do you go to therapy? What's wrong? I said, a lot of things. Um, mainly because of you. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, you know, our family, I I said something, I go, you know, she was like, who do you think needs therapy? She said, who do you think needs therapy in our family? (laughs) I was like, everybody. I was like, you, and I named all of her sisters, and she's like one of 13. And I was like, all of her sisters and all of her brothers. I was like, even like your mom, my grandmother needs it. I go, my dad needs it. His family needs it. My brothers need it. I just told her everybody needs it. And she was just, she had this thing. She didn't say anything. She just shook her head like, and she, they just don't, they don't think it's, uh, they won't face that truth or that they won't hold themselves accountable for it. And that's, that's what sucks. And it's, that's part of the reason why, you know, I don't, that's, I'm, people ask why I left Texas. Well, that's part of it. Right. There's just, I mean, emotional intelligence, just not a, a thing there, or at least in your circle, your family. I, I don't, yeah, it, that's, I, yeah, that's true. It's that emotional intelligence, but also I think it's just that, that because when you admit to therapy, I guess they have this idea that it's, defeat but also it shows this vulnerability and i grew up my parents um they weren't uh the most supportive they weren't Mm -hmm. the most um like they didn't hug us a lot like i have a lot like i had to work on like intimacy issues because you know my my mom never told me she loved me she never tells me she loves me um my, my mom and dad never hugged me it was a lot of those things and it's about them keeping up this facade i guess that you have to just uh like uh this you to be like this like i don't know strong person and you can't that whole idea of like don't cry 
um, having that idea. So I grew up with that. And I mean, that's something that I'll say something every time I go home. I'm just like, oh, yeah, have you gone to therapy? You should try. Never. It, it, it won't penetrate. And I don't know what needs to happen for them to go. My mom has said that uh, one of her doctors, I think once, this was probably about 15 years ago, they gave her Prozac because they said she had depression. Right. And she's like, I'm not taking that. I'm not depressed. The doctor says it is. And it's like, okay, this, it's not about me. It's all her. And they, she has right. to take one of those good long looks in the mirror and be like, Hey, you know, you could fix this. You could work on right. this. But she's like, I'm not taking Prozac. I'm not depressed. Mm-mm. It's just that the Mm-mm. world sucks and it's hopeless and there's no point in anything. And like, yeah. I'm a bad person and all my, everybody's a liar and we're all bad and we're all doomed. That's right. just it. <laughs> like, and I'm yeah. going to oh, go sleep right. for 12 hours. Zero responsibility for anything. And anytime, you know, if I bring up, if I were to bring up, you know, oh, uh, you didn't hug me when I was a kid, or if I were to try to confront her about it, it would just be, like, oh, well, that's just not how I do things. You know that and it's, it's just, but why don't you do it? And right. um, it, it's one of those things like, yeah, it's uh, one of the things I've talked with my therapist is that age where you realize you're smarter than your parents. And I'm not shit talking my parents, but it's just, right. they could have done so much better. <laughs> but uh, it's that idea where you, that moment where you realize, oh, like, they're not the ones that I'm going to seek out advice for things. Um, I'll tell them things that are happening whenever I think they need to know. But in regards to asking uh, what I should do, it's just it's never going to be a thing because I know they don't know how to consider things the way I do because they're own they they hold themselves back. Um, how did they process? I mean, I assume you came out to them. Did they right? Um, did they process that in a, a different way? I won't even ever really know because I came out over the phone <laughs> I was in New York um, and I just told my mom and my mom. I remember what she said. I tell people this because it's still funny. She said, um, that's OK. Just don't date anyone ugly, which is like, <laughs> OK, like, like I feel like that was her. And I mean, at the end of the day, I'm sure that's what she she is like, OK, well, don't date any ugly girls. But uh, my sister-in-law told me uh-huh. that. After I came out, my uh, my mom had a hard time with it, saying, "Oh, your sister, you know, uh, she was mentioning it to my brother's uh, dinner. Oh, you know, sister, she's gay now, and I don't know why she has to be like this. Like, I don't know why this." And my sister-in-law has been really good. I will say this: she was very much like, "You need to love your daughter. You're never going to hear from her again. You, she, you know, she can't has no control over that. That's how she is, and she's happy now. So you should be happy for her because she's happy." And that kind of shut, I mean, that did shut my mom up. Um, and my mom now, she's, you know, she's like a tiny little queer advocate, you know, trying to ally, trying to like do her part. You know, she, every time right. she sees like random pride things, she'll buy shit like, oh, I got you this thing. It has a rainbow. And I'm like, okay, cool. I have enough fucking rainbows, but I'll take it. And, <laughs> right. you know, she. It's just all she, the, all the <laughs> rainbow flags have like Chase Bank logos on them now too. Where it's just kind of like, I don't know if this really means the same thing that it used to. Corporate pride, mom. Uh, but she's like, yeah, I was going to get this for you or anytime. Like she said once she was at JCPenney and they had like, she was getting me a pride shirt that they had on sale there. Uh, she asked, do you want it? Yeah, give, get it to me. And then some guy randomly passed by because it's Texas. He said something along the lines of, oh, I don't know why to sell that shit. Uh, it's ugly. My mom was like, no, you know what? Who's ugly? You're ugly. And so now she's on my side. Right. <laughs> but it's just, but it's like, mom, calm down. You're, still You're ugly Texas. and nobody had better date you because then I'm going right. to get real mad. <laughs> right? She's getting real mad and she's just like, it's a whole thing. But she asks me questions when I get home, like every time I visit. 
just you know, I had to explain uh, queer or trans or right. uh, pronouns and her me. It's been interesting to I can't even tell you how I've explained it to her, but be telling her like because she works with kids. So she'll tell me, oh, this kid, this kid thinks he's gay. And I didn't know. I didn't want to tell him. I'm like, hey, uh, I don't want to say anything wrong. I go, the only thing you'd say to the kid is OK. Like me telling her. Yeah. It's just like this isn't my job to do this, but she's trying. But I think it's it's just she's still. It's been an adjustment. My dad has just never said anything. When he met my ex, he was just like, hey, he was very nice to her. Right. Um, he got along with her just fine. I think they noticed that I was happier when I came out. But still, it's just been it's just funny to see it flip. Yeah. It's funny that they um, that they had kind of just a, 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 a very seemed like a fairly easy acceptance of of um, of you being gay. But but less there's a lot there seems to be a lot more resistance when it comes to mental health and therapy. And stuff yeah, like that. definitely. And almost, definitely. Like, almost like a generational, like just sort of resistance to that, and just like, oh, we don't oh, do that. Oh, completely. Yeah, I mentioned something at my uncle's funeral once because it's always a shit show when all my family gets together, um, because of all the whole inability to communicate because they mm -hmm. don't know how to say their feelings um, or express their feelings. Um, so it's always a lot of tension. And um, now, my, you know, there have been a couple of funerals in the past, but I remember I flew home for one of my uncle's funerals. And uh, I mentioned something because someone said how calmly I kind of got in the middle of trying to mediate the situation. And the only thing I said was, because uh, it was one of my cousins got into an argument with one of my aunts. And when my cousin jumped in my aunt's face, I kind of was like, hey, 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 can we not do that? And they just... We're like, why you? We didn't expect you to do it like that. And I was like, well, therapy helps. And right away, everyone was kind of, oh, oh, like you're better than us. You go to therapy now. Right. It's like, yeah, I am. I, I actually, yeah, I think so. Um, the fact that yeah. I'm actively trying to do it, and I, I do think I have a. I mean, I've what on my mom's side, I think it's something like thirty something first cousins, wow. and um, yeah. So I mean, we don't. There's a lot of us we don't talk every day, and there's ones that I hear from. How often, could you? But, Right, exactly. I, I just I have to like sit down and think about all their names. We don't have time for that. This is only a, a, a maybe an hour at tops, right? But uh, thinking about some of my cousins who've done a little bit, a little bit, who've done well for themselves, I should say, and don't really talk to the family. I know that they, I feel like they're in a place that they're probably they can afford to get the type of mental health they need, you know, and they're actively like i know that that's why they avoid certain family events because you know my therapist tells me when i'm worried about a certain situation she's like you know you don't have to fly home or you don't have to go to this um because why would you put yourself in those situations and i realize when someone's when my like my parents say oh so and so this cousin you know she thinks she's too good to hang out with us i'm like i don't think so i think that she's just in a good place and she knows what would bug right. her you know right. what's they you recognize what's toxic and you don't put yourself in that situation yeah i think there is this thing uh i don't know if it's a, a class thing or like kind of a, a cultural thing but and i think it transcends geography and it transcends um a, a race and ethnicity but there is this idea that like the person who goes off you know, from a family to like the big city and starts going to therapy, then they're like this like hoity toity, like elitist mm -hmm. kind of person. Um, and there's, there's this feeling almost of 
you know, like, oh, you think you're so great. You think you're so smart. You think you're so, you know, there's like a right. resentment that you're not doing things the way they do and like suffering through things the way that they do. Right. Um, and, and I think a lot of the work that needs to be done so far as destigmatizing therapy has to be uh, making it a lot, a lot, a lot more fucking norm core. Just making mm -hmm. it like the most normal thing to go to just like the dentist, you know? And yeah, but that's the that's the big thing is that like it's just beginning to become accepted uh you know it, it just in our lifetimes that like oh now we're having conversations sort of in the mainstream about this mm. um but i think it we still have a long way to go in terms oh, of yeah. uh getting just you know yeah regular ass just just salt of the earth working class folk to to see therapy as like even a thing and i i don't think that um I, I don't know there's such it's, a stigma to it that's what a, it hurts a, they think it's like weakness and it's it's getting that's i know that that's their biggest hold up and i think they're also scared of what might come out because i know that when if they were my mom were to just go to three therapy sessions she would be crying the whole time oh, yeah. there's so much she needs to get out no there's some shit buried in like in most every family that's like a big ass <sighs> yeah. family like that that's tight-knit yeah. and doesn't go to therapy and like her um, and my dad yeah, yeah her and my dad both of them there's there's usually <laughs> some shit um are, are were you raised uh catholic or yes yeah. yeah i was raised catholic they actually they don't go to church as often as i do and they aren't as active catholic as i am because i'm, I'm catholic but i don't i don't go to church every week but i do like going i have a church here i live in park slope and there's a church that has a very like they have a bigger queer um, like uh, congregation. So mm -hmm. I, and they're very, they like I have a thing for World AIDS Day every year. They're very much know that, you know, there's a group of these type of people that exist that still call themselves Catholic and that's me. So I don't pull into the whole like Catholic, Catholic part. It's like my own interpretation of it. Sure. And it's also like nostalgic for me. But yeah, we grew up Catholic. And I will say that, yeah, I mean, if not that I'm saying I'm a better Catholic than them, but I am. I'm definitely a better Catholic than my parents. They, they I mean, they don't go a lot, but they definitely, My, I think my mom did it because my grandmother, uh, her mom, very religious, went to church every week and is very much like, we want to make sure that she did everything until I had to be confirmed. And then it was like, you're on your own. Right. So for you, I mean, you mentioned nostalgia. Is it a... Um... Is it like a comfort thing mostly for you or or yeah. is, is there something else that it offers? Um, for me, I, I, I for me, Catholicism one, I mean, I, I, I went to this. Well, one, I went to confession once and the priest legit, like when I told him about me being gay, he like he didn't even bat an eyelash. He was just like, as long as you know how to love someone like that's all that matters. As so long for as me, they're not ugly. Right. And I wish he would have said that. He was like, as long as she's not ugly, seven Hail Marys. And um, so I have like this old, like my own, like relief knowing, oh, I, I'm okay being Catholic. But also just when I first moved to New York City, I found that going to churches, like they're like the, some of the quietest places in New York City. Mm -hmm. uh, and you can always find a seat. And, you know, when it's cold out, you could sit in church for like 15 minutes. It's warm. Say prayer, get out your business. It's great. Um, and so for me, it's just, I don't know, 
it's cathartic in some sense too it's very calming to me and just the i yeah i have memories of just like being a kid and going to catechism classes or even just being in church now that my grandmother's passed away um so it just kind of helps like anchor me a little bit when i feel a little off yeah i feel like um there there is a contingent of people who even if they do turn away from the religion that they were brought up with that uh, i mean i grew up in a unitarian church and so um I felt like eh, probably like three quarters of the people there, they grew up uh, in some form of Christianity generally, and Mm -hmm. they didn't like it because it was, you know, like it was too bigoted or it was too this or that. Uh, There's too much like hellfire and bullshit. Um, But the comfort of the community of the church and yeah. the ritual of going and just having this like hour of kind of meditation or or five hours if you're Catholic of meditation. <laughs> right. Um, go to the lunch one. It's 40 minutes. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. See, like I used to go at lunch. <laughs> I don't want to tell anybody how to, you know, how to do their jobs or anything, but like, maybe just some brevity. Maybe just to, like speed it 40 up. 40 minutes. You got to like, go to the a, lunch lunch sermon that's it 40 minutes it's great and you get communion like boom like so easy. is that your lunch <laughs> the, just the communion wafer or like no <laughs> i usually have it before i eat but um yeah it's when i found out oh you can go during lunch or just hop out go to church down the street then go back to work and you know not say anything and i also don't like i don't think someone has to go to church like if you call yourself catholic you're catholic you're fine you call yourself christian or whatever you don't even have to particularly like believe mm-hmm. in like something as long as you're not murdering people out doing shit just your idea of just like if you're putting good energy out there then i don't care i feel like catholicism almost like judaism is one of those things where you don't even necessarily have to be a practicing you know you're you're culturally catholic you're culturally Mm -hmm. jewish like it's one of those things where it's just like if you grew up in that type of family that type of community that type of dynamic you just are shaped by it in a certain Mm -hmm. way Especially, yeah, as I'm being, even if you haven't been back to church in 20 years or been back to temple in 20 years, like it still has this indelible mark on you. Yeah. And especially like being Mexican-American and Catholicism is deeply ingrained in a lot of our culture. Yeah. Um, Just, you know, the symbol of the Virgin Mary, Uh, just things like that. Um, It's just it's still a part of my life, even if I don't it weren't it wouldn't be even if I don't actively make it a part of my life. Yeah, it's it's a it's a very I don't know, it's an intense it's a very intense religion. It's metal as hell. <laughs> it's violent. It's fucking crazy. Like the the, yeah. the symbolism and all of that stuff is is just like really intense. Like the martyrs and shit like that. Like just people being tortured to death and burned that's, alive and, and stuff. Like that's my favorite nuts. part too. When you talk about like the people in the saint and you just found yeah, out this, how this, the saints the saints, the saints the like Oh, like how they, how they, how they perished every time it's like this, or I stabbed out, burned at the stake. This limbs were pulled piece by piece. This, this, it's just like, that's, it's, that's crazy. It is so violent. You, but it's uh, my favorite part. <laughs> I've had, uh, Jake Flores on the show a couple of times. He's, uh, he's also, uh, uh, Mexican American. Yeah. He's from Texas. He's and from Texas. We follow each other on social. We kind yeah. of loosely know each other, but we're yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, he talks about how like he wonders sometimes about how he like is like why am i why am i so morbid why am i such a goth and all of this stuff and he's like oh probably because when i was five 
I would go over to my grandma's house and she'd have this like statue of Jesus with like, you know, on the cross bleeding, like actual like <laughs> like like graphic like blood and open wounds and stuff oh, like, yeah. all over the place. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. It's my crazy grandma shit. had like fifteen of those. My grandma had so many like Jesus on the cross statues or paintings or just different versions of him already with the nails in him or him off mm-hmm. the cross already bleeding. Um yeah, and I never thought about it, but it's like, yeah, why? Why is this? This this is a gro- This is a pretty gory photo. That's why um, movies with gore never bugged me. <laughs> yeah, the word that generally follows Catholic is guilt. Um, right, and it's it, because it just. I don't know. It's just a particularly shamey religion. Do Do you find that it? That it left its mark on you, like in 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 that way, like as far as like guilt, shame, stuff like that. Uh not. I mean, yes and no. Uh, I think I've grown past the whole idea of Catholic guilt. I I mean, I I think it's weird because like part of the reason I like about Catholicism is you know I can go to confession and then I'm good. I don't have any guilt. I'm like zero sins. I'm ready to go back out to the world. So that I think me accepting that it's not really about. Catholic guilt, but in some sense, yeah, because that goes to back like what we started talking about when we started when you started the episode, like the whole idea of, okay, um, things are going great right now. It's it's I don't really have any complaints in my life, but something definitely has to go wrong or I don't like I've had like some like this this happened today and I haven't said it out loud and it's the weirdest thing I've ever heard. But I had a conference call with my boss today. And I thought I, I thought we were just going to talk about transitioning, like because we're moving to a new team, they're restructuring the company. And he like met, he was like, just an FYI, we were so proud of your work this past this year, like us as a team, but also you. And then I was filling in for some coworker who got married for the past week. She, he goes, especially this past you know couple of days, he goes, you've really just been going above and beyond. One, we appreciate you. Two, we're going to give you x x amount of thousands of dollars as a bonus this year. Also. We're going to hike your salary up to this, this, this. And I'm just like, and also, and I'm like, what? Are you fucking serious? He's adding on like vacation days. And he's like, also, you have to have these days. You're in the winter. You're allowed to do this, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just thinking, I'm like, I don't deserve this. I mean, right. I do. But I like, I'm like, I don't like, is, is like, I know what the universe is doing this because I'm ready for it. But just me think like, that whole idea of like, I don't deserve it. I don't, I'm not, I'm not worth this. But also that's something like I feel with like dating, realizing like the guilt of like, oh, I'm not a good person. Why would someone date me? And just like things going well in general, even with comedy, just being like, oh, anytime something good happens or I get on a fun show, it's like, do I deserve this? Yeah. You know, like, cause I had to, I thought I did, I, I don't think I did something right to deserve it. So I guess, yeah. Wow. I have a lot of Catholic guilt. You do. Ah. There it is. We found it. <laughs> There's my anxiety too. <laughs> It's so much. Yeah, it's it's hard. I don't know. It deserving. I feel like uh, as I don't know, crazy people. I feel like one of our one of the most difficult things to do is to feel like you deserve something good. Feel like you deserve something good. I always feel I always feel one hundred percent like I deserve a bad thing that comes my way. I'm like, yeah. oh yeah, I had that coming. Um, that, that but when it's happen. when it is something good. It is very, it can be very difficult to accept. Um, how are mm-hmm. you with like accepting, you know, compliments or, or, or things like that? Uh, um, either professionally or like someone, you know, someone thinks you're really funny or someone thinks you're mm-hmm. hot or someone thinks you're good at your job or like whatever. 
I've, I've, I've learned to become better about better about it. I've learned like Veronica, you, you did great at work. You, you actually, you knew that this past week you really wanted to step up and do this. So, and they recognize this. So you agree with this. Um, I've learned with compliments. Uh, it, it is hard because I didn't grow up when I did. I grew up just for instance, when I grew up, I, I, I had very good grades. I went, I, I had a lot of full rides to school because of that. Um, so when I don't have student debt, which is great, but, um, my anytime I would get good grades, my mom wouldn't uh, praise it if I got like a 95, which is an A. She would say, well, why didn't you get a 98? You know, you could have got a 100. Like what? It was very much that. So right. I don't know how to accept compliments. So I've had to teach them. It's like rewire myself when someone says, hey, you had a very good set. I'll say, thank you. Thank you. I'm just like, Veronica, yeah. you can't go wrong when you say thank you. Or, hey, I, you know, you did a great job last week. Thank you. Um, thank you for acknowledging that. And I've it's been really get, great with a couple of my friends the past couple months, like the healthy, no, seeing us navigate like in all, like noticing the healthy relationships I have. And so when they say something nice to me and being like, thank you, I really appreciate that. And learning that and also trying to know that I do deserve that praise. Right. Would you try and like in the past, would you try and like argue with people to like, yeah. if, they, if they complimented or you try and qualify it or argue mm -hmm. like this was a thing that I did and it took me a long time to learn to just like shut the fuck up and say thank you. Even, say if, thank you don't, you. even if you don't believe them, don't just make them because you. you're making them feel weird now that they right. complimented you like that's that was it wasn't so much my issue wasn't so much like, oh, I can't make this make me feel good. Because I, I just sort of accepted that like, oh, it probably never will. Like that's just right, kind right, of, right, right. that's never, I am impervious to compliments and that's mm -hmm. my lot in life. Yep. Yeah. What, yeah. No, I agree. What I had to do, realize to change my behavior was like, you're being a bummer and you're weirding other people out. And like, yeah. if somebody says something nice about you and then you tell them that they're wrong that's kind of a dick move and like yeah and it takes a lot for someone a stranger especially doing comedy a stranger especially they go to a show maybe by themselves and after the show they come up to me and they'll be hey i really like this oh joke i think that's you're you know i really liked your set great job right and, and you're you like know, you must be a fucking philistine who are your yeah. other fucking favorite comedians <laughs> jeff dunham get the fuck out of here i know there's this just so you know the visual in my head so i'm sure you'll probably will run into each other again and you'll see you i mean now my performances i, I i'm kind of eh. you know sometimes i make it's going great sometimes it's not mm -hmm. and i'm aware of that but just look at my face someone if you happen to be there the situation happens i didn't have such a great set but someone comes up to me after and they go hey good set i'll say thank you but i want you to know the motion in my head the exact motion when they say hey great set the idea in my head this is just me going like that's right. it. That's the exact. I'm like, eh, whatever. Um, right. But and that's in my head. But having to tell myself, say thank you because this person just complimented you, um, and it you don't know them. And for all you know, it might have been a, uh, for them. It it they may have they may have had to mentally go through hurdles to come up yeah. to you, the performer, and talk to you and say those words because it can be intimidating because we don't realize it because. I'm so used to talking to strangers all the time. I don't have a problem talking to people, but for a person who doesn't do this daily, it's a lot to go up and talk to a stranger. That, I mean, cause I come off as intimidating. So I, I understand that 
for someone to come and talk to me after me. I'm not, you see me, I'm not a big person at all. No, but you're all, very, all five very, feet of you can, right? can, can <laughs> cast a big shadow though, you know? Exactly. Every one, the number one thing people tell me when they've, we've been, you know, uh, other comics or producers have seen me online and they'll add me we, and they'll put, book me on their show or be on the same show together. Finally meet in person, they'll say, oh, you look really tall on Instagram. And um, I have a big personality. And for people, it's that, we, I didn't, I didn't, I don't see it as intimidating, but I you have to realize for some people that is. Yeah, it's hard. I don't know. You have, I mean, the overcompensation you have to do to even like get on stage has to be right. you know, incredible. <laughs> mental, so. mental hype myself up. Yeah. Uh, Veronica Garza, thank you so much for being on thank the show. This was really great. Uh, now it's time for plugs. Is anything, any shows coming up you'd like to plug? Any socials, whatever, give it to us. Oh, sure. Just uh, find me on social media, Twitter, look up Veronica Garza. The handle's Vero's underscore broke, like Vero has no money. Or find me on Instagram, just look up Veronica Garza Comedian. Uh, I should pop right up. Uh, the handle is Vero's underscore got underscore jokes. And yeah, just you'll find me on YouTube. Same thing. Just type in Veronica Garza Comedian and give me a follow. Hell yeah. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Okay. Thank you once again to Veronica Garza for being on the show. That was really fun. What a, I mean, sometimes you just you you get on the mic with somebody and they just they just open right up and they're just like, boom, here I am. I am ready to fucking sling emotions with you. And it's great. And she was one of those. I appreciate it. Follow her. She's really funny. Go see her. Um you know, again. Tiny, tiny lady casts a big shadow. There's a big silhouette up on stage, though. Big stage presence. She's great. Go see her. Uh, follow me, at Bradical Pearson, on both Instagram and Twitter. Follow the show, at SelfWorst, on just Instagram, and got the Twitter. I don't have a SelfWorst Twitter. I'm sorry. Somebody else took it, and I just, eh, I'm not going to bother fucking hitting some guy up about Fuck it. Anyway, rate and review us on iTunes. Leave a five-star rating. That's the important part. You don't even have to write anything big in the review. Just write a single word. It can be whatever word you want. I mean, no racial slurs, please. But I don't think you would do that. I think you're better than that. Oh, here's a good way of helping us out, helping out the podcast, if you feel so inclined, if you feel so inspired. You can just uh, throw us into your Instagram stories. So uh, it's pretty easy. It's so easy. Even a goddamn idiot like you can do it. So you, I assume you're listening to this uh, on your phone. You probably are. That's how most of us do it. If you're listening to it on a desktop or a laptop or whatever, uh, that's a little weird way of doing it, but hey, I'm glad you're here. But if you're like most people and you're listening to this on your phone, just open the app you're streaming this podcast on, take a screenshot, put that screenshot in your Instagram stories, tag at self worst. That's it. That's all you got to do. And I'll, I'll regram it. I'll put it on my stories. You'll feel a really nice, warm, fuzzy, parasocial connection with another person. And uh, yeah, that'll be great. We'll give you a high five. Uh, I'll, I'll do something nice for you. Whatever you want. 
I sew a button back on for you. I can roll you a joint. I'll watch you jerk off. I don't care. Whatever you want. Just put me in your Instagram stories. Easy. You can reach me at uh, selfhorse at gmail.com if you got any other shit to say to me. Or you can just say it to my fucking face. How about that? I'll drop a pin and you can come say it to my face if you got some shit to say to me. I'm Brad Pearson. I'm weirdly confrontational sometimes. But I don't mean it. It's a defense mechanism because I'm scared. Music is by Shea Bartel. Thank you once again for listening. Have, have a happy Halloween. Be safe. You know, uh, don't eat a razor blade in an apple. That's not a thing. Don't accidentally eat an edible that you think is real candy. That's not a thing. Don't, don't uh, get murdered by a machete. Uh, or uh, killed in your dreams by an, an incubus named Freddy Krueger who wears a hat. You want to be killed by a guy wearing a fedora? Fucking humiliating. Anyway. I'll see you uh, next spooky episode. Bye and have a spooky... I'll see you... Stay spooky. Bye.